podcast i'm nick beatman and i'm here with my friend zach kamak hello everybody so today we are going to be wrapping up m20 we've got a couple more commanders to talk about another planeswalker and some main deck cards that we think could have an impact on commander Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so before we jump into that if you head on over to patreon.com slash commander theory you can support the show and access cool rewards for as little as one dollar a month if you aren't ready to be a patron yet You can help us out by writing a review on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. We have a decent amount to talk about today, but I guess do you want to start with these commanders? The first commander we're going to talk about today is Dracuseth, Maw of Flames. It is four red, red, red for a 7-7 dragon. It has flying, and when it attacks, it deals four damage to any target and three damage to each of up to two other targets. So uh, <laughs> this is a big dragon. This is a big dragon, and that's what he is. Do you think this is a particularly viable deck? Just on the face of him having seven power and flying and being in colors that can really easily grant haste mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. have the option to grant double strike. Like You can, can make a it. Voltron deck work pretty well with this guy, and he just like incidentally controls the board as he's killing players. Yeah, I think it'll feel really good if you do attack with him. I don't think he adds a huge amount to the format. No, I would have played him in Zerlin Vaishino. It's three and two red for a three four Vaishino Shaman that has one red red tap. Search your library for a dragon. Mm-hmm. Put it on the battlefield, it gains haste, exile it in a turn. It would have been good there. <laughs> yeah, I do like seeing dragons with attack triggers because it means you're kind of forced to put them into the other dragon tribal decks, like mm-hmm. not just throw it in Kalia. Yeah, I think this is going to suffer from seven mana syndrome. Yeah, it's just a lot to pay for a commander. And red, although it's like slowly getting some ramp options, it's still really far from being able to like consistently cast a 7-7 seven, seven a couple turns early. Yeah, yeah, pretty crazy. All right, next we have one that I think is actually pretty interesting, despite being a a monocolor commander. Yeah. So this is Gargos Vicious Watcher. It is three green, green, green for an 8-7 Hydra with Vigilance. Hydra spells you cast cost four less to cast, and whenever a creature you control becomes the target of a spell, Gargos Vicious Watcher fights up to one target creature you don't control. When we did our Unsupported Tribes episode, we talked about how Roshin was like kind of the de facto Hydro Tribal Commander, but they went and printed one that has the word on there a couple times. Yeah, Yeah, there's the weirdness of it being mono green, Mm -hmm. but this is cooler than I gave it credit for initially. I whipped up a quick list. It's going to be in the episode description if you want to check that out. First off, there are definitely enough Hydras to make this work. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm running about 20-ish. And the thing is, like, you don't need that many for it to feel like you're doing the Hydra thing. (laughs) And uh, I've got some tech for you all. There are a couple spells in this color that can target multiple creatures at once at a really cheap cost. So, like, Bounty of the Hunt is in the Force of Will cycle, but you can exile a green card to cast it and you can target up to three creatures and give them plus one plus one. Mm -hmm. So if you have three hydras out, then you can just make them all fight things. It's pretty solid. There's warrior's lesson, which is a one man instant 
Until end of turn, up to two dark creatures you control each gain. When this creature deals combat damage to a player, draw a card. So you can swing in, use it to fight their two blockers to death, and then draw your cards. In general, cheap instants that cantrip are pretty good. It's really easy to chain them and keep yeah. fighting stuff. I also kind of like cheap instants that give hexproof or indestructible. Yeah, that was pretty cool too. Yeah, like your opponents are definitely going to be pointing their removal at Gargos and the ability to like, thanks for targeting him. He's going to fight your guy. And then he's got hexproof in response because I'm targeting him with this hexproof thing. He's going to fight something else. Something that I kind of discounted initially, but I do like how this game just scales so well into the late game because mm-hmm. even if like gargos has died a few times like your deck's full of hydras mm-hmm. so they just scale really well <laughs> yeah into the late game like early game is going to be just running a bunch of ramp cards you've got you know your your typical stuff derogatory speaker mm-hmm. soul ring gaia's touch is one of my favorite cards to run in mono green this also might be a good deck for lanawar tribe because <laughs> it's a mono green deck with a expensive commander so i think that there's good opportunities there for ramp and then once you get gargos down you can just go hydra 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 and then have a bunch of instants to respond to whatever your opponents are doing in order to eat their creatures the fact that you have an eight power commander also means that he works really well with things like hunter's insight with things like soul's majesty these things that target your commander and draw cards equal to their power so like in addition to drawing eight cards you also get to fight something off of it yeah it seems like a pretty fun deck that's it that's it that's all the commanders yeah we did it there's only two this (laughs) week well that means we can move on to the planeswalkers and there was only one this week there was only one vivian arcbow ranger uh she is a four loyalty four cmc planeswalker one green 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 She has plus one, distribute two plus one plus one counters among up to two target creatures. They gain trample until end of turn. Minus three, target creature you control deals damage equal to its power to target creature or planeswalker. And then minus five, you may choose a creature you own from outside the game, reveal it, and put it into your hand. I really don't like the plus one. Yeah. (laughs) I don't think that's generally worth a card in Commander. Nope. And then the minus three, it's nice that it's not fighting. Like, it's just one-sided. Yeah, it's the punch or whatever they've been calling it. But still, it's not really worth four mana. And that minus five, you know. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Having to build up to it and then kill, like, with this worthless ability and then kill my Planeswalker. And it doesn't actually work in Commander. Yeah. Unless your playgroup, like, has a conversation and says, like, okay, wishes work. Bring a sideboard. That doesn't actually do anything under the official commander rules. So doesn't seem like a card for commander to me. No, I agree with that. That's sad. All right, moving on to the non-legendary cards. One thing I do want to say about Vivian, though, is that we're going to see more cards like Vivian that mm-hmm. get something from, quote, outside the game for Arena. Oh, because of best of one. Yes, best of one, and they can get sideboard cards. Mm. So we are going to see more designs like this. I hope not every Vivian is like this. It would be nice if the rules committee kind of addressed Addressed that. it. Yeah, because yeah. mm-hmm. like mm. if, if design is changing, then the rules committee should probably also change to accommodate that. But. Yeah, you'd think. So yeah, main deck cards. Do you want to read this guy off? Brought back. I did not realize this until someone pointed it out to me, but this is part of a cycle. There's the blue one, which is two blue, blue, sorcery. Uh, look at the top seven cards and pick two of them. 
Okay. There's the red one, which is oh, copy to... a spell twice. Yeah. The black one, which is you and target opponent tutor for something. Oh. And there's the green one, which is search out two creatures. Oh, yeah. I didn't realize that either. But uh, brought back is white, white for an instant. Choose up to two target permanent cards in your graveyard that were put there from the battlefield this turn. Return them to the battlefield tapped. So it's white reanimation, instant speed at a really cheap price, but mm-hmm. it has a, a significant drawback. What are your thoughts? I mean, the drawback is really real. Like if you're just using this as reanimation or if you're using this as like protection for two guys on your board or like your panharmonicon and something, mm-hmm. that's probably not worth it if you're being reactive with it. But if you're being proactive with it, there's a ton of stuff you can do with it and a ton of commanders that kind of want this. In green, white, if you have a sack outlet and an eternal witness, you just get this back and something else. In white blue, you get Archaeomancer and now Scholar of the Ages, which is big double Archaeomancer. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can get brought back and then you're also getting back another permanent. So there's a lot of loops you can do if you're proactive with it. So I'm looking at how Second Sunrise is currently used in Commander. Mm-hmm. So Second Sunrise is one white white for an instant. Each player returns to the battlefield all artifact, creature, enchantment, and land cards that were put into his or her graveyard from the battlefield this turn. It's pretty similar. Second Sunrise is, of course, symmetrical. Yeah. But if you're kind of going off with it, then it's unlikely your opponents are going to get nearly as much value. The number one deck running Second Sunrise is a Togatog. <laughs> you sack your Togs, you get them back. <laughs> so powerful. God, so powerful. Uh, one that actually seems good, though, is Yosei the Morning Star. Yeah. Just using it as a reanimation spell because, like, throwing away a card just to get back Yosei is worth it because he's a time warp. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Also, Teshar, Ancestor's Apostle. It's mm-hmm. used in that deck. Safi yeah. Eric's Daughter. This kind of makes sense. Yeah, Safi made sense. I think that like it, we're hope maybe we'll start seeing it in like Brian Stout arm because that guy has a lot of fans and like mm. why not throw a Malignus twice? I think you mentioned getting back fetch lands. Mm-hmm. There, there's your white ramp, folks. Yeah, white ramp. You get get back your Terramorphic and evolve. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you, you can run fetches. Get your prismatic vista in there. Yeah. Get your arid mesa. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there, like, it's cooler than I thought it was when I first looked at it. I guess I'm going to read this guy if you want. Sure, this is a pretty narrow one. Gauntlets of Light. This is an enchantment aura, so it costs a two and one white. CMC three. It has enchanted creature, gets plus O plus two, and assigns combat damage equal to its toughness rather than its power. And it also gives enchanted creature two white. Untap this creature. When we did the Modern Horizon set review, I brought up Treefolk Umbra, which is a very similar card. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Treefolk Umbra is two and a green for an aura. Enchanted creature gets plus O plus two and assigns combat damage equal to its toughness rather than its power. Treefolk Umbra also has the benefit of Totem Armor, which this card yeah. unfortunately does not. That's true. But I could see them both being used in the same way in that Kaneos and Tiro of Miletus is a 2-8 <laughs> for four mana. Normally, like nobody would think about attacking with that commander, but that deck could probably use a win condition. (laughs) And essentially, giving a card plus eight plus O is pretty solid. Yeah. Pretty close to a two turn clock there. You just need a little bit to push it over the edge. So I think that that might be a a decent use. There's also Arcades the Strategist. He's four cost, five toughness. This turns him into a three-turn clock. There's certain commanders that get a pretty big 
boost off of this. And if there's any possibility for them to go Voltron, it might be an option. Yeah. But it is extremely narrow. Yes. I have heard our friend who plays Arcades, the strategist, complain that he doesn't hit with his own toughness Mm -hmm. and just how that feels bad. So Mm. if you're feeling bad lately, here you go. Here's another piece of tech for you. All right. Uh, Can I read the next one? Yeah, this is the last of a cycle. It's Cavalier of Gales, two blue, blue, blue for a 5-5 elemental knight with flying. When it enters the battlefield, draw three cards, then put two cards from your hand on top of your library in any order. When it dies, shuffle it into its owner's library, then scry two. Yeah, the only deck that I can think that like would actively like want quote quote this was Yannette. Mm-hmm. So like Yannette says hello because it's a five mana creature, so Yannette gets it. Mm-hmm. And then it also sets up your next draws, putting things on top of your library with the like pseudo brainstorm. That's cool tech. So that's the only place <laughs> I could think of putting this because the death trigger kind of puts a damper on the fun basically like when it shuffles back into your library you don't get to keep reusing sack outlets or other recursion so i don't know i don't really i'm not feeling it yeah how would you rank the five cavaliers now that we've seen all of them what what do you think is the strongest to weakest strongest to weakest i would say the strongest is probably the white one Mm -hmm. i would say like white black red and i could be convinced either way on those two and then the blue green ones. I'm not sure which ones were. <laughs> this is at least a five five flyer for five that draws you a card. The yeah. other one kind of ramps when it enters, but maybe not. I'm pretty much with you. I definitely think white is the strongest, then black, then red, and then I would say blue over green. Blue over green. But you're right. They're both quite bad, and it, I mean it's fine. They're they're given reparations for blue and green being awesome forever. <laughs> yeah, so. forever and ever. Yeah, I'm not I'm not upset. When this one came out, I I saw it and was like not actively upset about it. It was like oh, blue's got a lot of stuff going on. <laughs> All right, you want to read the next one? Yeah, this is Tales End. One blue instant, so two mana counter target activated ability, triggered ability, or legendary spell. Fun fact, that's Tazri getting annihilated. Oh, really? In the original oh, that's cool. Yeah. So that's probably who Unknown is <laughs> in the flavor text. Yeah, so I've been running, uh, I mean, partly because our playgroup has been seeing more Planeswalker commanders because we were doing a little experiment with those. But also partly just because Stifles I've been kind of liking a little bit more, but Stifle itself is very narrow. This kind of solves that problem by being like a remove soul for commanders or planeswalkers, which is really nice. So on top of being just like a stifle, you can also new tube somebody's commander, which uh, is pretty good to do a lot of the time, especially like with expensive commanders, Mm. like trolling expensive commanders can feel really mean, but like is so good because like if they have a five CMC commander and you counter it, seven is a lot harder to get to (laughs) yeah especially for certain colors so i'm pretty okay with this card i like it the next one this is gorging vulture uh this is a two two flyer a bird for two and a black so three cmc when gorging vulture enters the battlefield put the top four cards of your library into your graveyard you gain one life for each creature card put into your graveyard this way 
So I'd say there's only one commander that can mm-hmm. really mm-hmm. make use of this card. Mm-hmm. And a month ago, that was not true. <laughs> yes. The commander is Hogak. And Hogak really likes self-mill, and he also likes cheap creatures that can come down early. Like, this guy gets you most of the way there. This is putting, five Hogak. Yeah, yeah, so, like, putting four cards in your graveyard, that's four mana for Delve, and then tapping him, that's one of your colored mana. So, really, at that point, you just need, like, any card you can play on turns one and two. Yeah. <laughs> like, something that puts something in your graveyard, so, like, a fetch land, yeah. and then, like, any creature, and then you're there. You're at Hogak on turn three. So I think that's probably the only deck that can make use of this. Yep, I agree with that. Uh, this next guy th- will also be a short one. Thirsting Bloodlord. Two black black for a 3-3 three, three vampire. Other vampires you control get plus one plus one. Naturally, this will only go in vampire tribal. And mm-hmm. because there's like one vampire tribal deck that's like clearly the yep. superior one, it's going to go in Edgar Markov. Yeah. <laughs> It might be a little tricky to fit it into that deck, though. Yeah, that deck is very low to the ground. Because you want to like maximize how many tokens you're getting yes. as early as possible, Like it really keeps its curve low. And oh, yes. so there's a limited number of four-drop slots, and they're clogged with some really, really powerful cards. Yeah. Because you've got your Sanctum Seeker, which is like whenever a vampire attacks, each opponent loses one life and you gain one life. So that's a huge damage multiplier. Yeah. You've got your... Vampire Nocturnus, which is probably one of the best lords yep, yep. for the tribe. Um, you've also got Bloodline yep. Keeper. So that's a card that like not only generates more vampires by itself, but in Edgar Markov, it's so easy to flip him, and then you get the <laughs> plus two, plus two, and flying that enormous buff for that's all huge. your tokens. Yeah. So there's limited four drop slots, and they're all really good. It could be tricky to find room for this guy. But I think it's worth mentioning still. There might be some decks that are going for like a higher end Markov build or something. Mm-hmm. We are in the red cards now. And can I read this guy? Heck yeah. So this is one red red for a 2 4 Minotaur Pirate. His name is Glinthorn Buccaneer. And whenever you discard a card, Glinthorn Buccaneer deals one damage to each opponent. You can pay red and one and discard a card to draw a card, but you can only activate that ability if Glinthorn Buccaneer is attacking. What do you think about this guy? I love this guy. <laughs> <laughs> he's cheap. He's just three mana. He has haste, so he kind of can get going immediately as a big butt. And then red nowadays just gets so much rummaging. Like red is discarding so many cards now. Like we just had Tectonic Reformation, which is uh, one red, your land cycle for one red in Modern Horizons. In just this set, we have like the Chandra's Regulator and a bunch of other just spells and permanents that loot the the Red Cavalier, just pitch your whole hand, Mm -hmm. deal a bunch of damage. So this is awesome. I I really don't think that you're going to need to like wheel that many times to get too much value out of this guy. And then there's some decks that really like him. So I think like the one that came to my mind first was Neheb 3.0, but we were talking about this and you could probably justify putting him in every neb <laughs> so neb 3.0 for those of you who aren't familiar with him yeah. uh, it's two red red for a five four trample when it deals combat damage to a player you can discard any number of cards draw that many cards and add that much red so not only does neb 3.0 get a bunch of triggers for this guy in terms of discarding but like it's adding the mana during your 
combat step and there is a moment in the combat step when it's like after damage has dealt but your creatures are still attacking so Mm -hmm. you can use that mana to activate this guy a bunch of times pretty good synergies there and then with the original neheb neheb 1.0 neheb the worthy he is a minotaur tribal commander if you have one card or less in hand then minotaurs you control get plus two plus oh so this guy is probably one of the best minotaur so it's really easy to fit him into that deck yeah and then neheb 2.0 unfortunately you can't use the mana from his ability to activate this guy because it adds at the beginning of your post-combat main phase and you're he's no longer attacking at that point but you can use the mana generated from your lands and feed it into that guy and look for gas and then spend your neheb mana on whatever gas you drew from activating him Mm mm-hmm so there's some synergies with all three of them, but he's a, he could just be a good card on his own. I mean, I know he's got some stiff competition from all the good red discard outlets we've seen lately, but mm-hmm. I think uh, he's a pretty solid way to yeah. sculpt your hand. In Neheb 2.0 in particular, I think he if you're playing a four-player game, he turns every two mana you can make with your lands into three red with Neheb, and that's pretty good. So he does generate mana if you use him that way. Which is oh cool. yeah, that's true. That's absolutely true. Yeah, yeah for, I keep forgetting about the the pinging part. So no, that's that's a really good synergy. Yeah, and so there's also one more commander that's very excited about this guy's type line. It's Beckett Brass. It's another pirate. We got another pirate, and I don't want to actually talk too much about that. But it's a pirate. Yeah, and it's one of the better ones. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think moving on, Scampering Scorcher. It's a one-one elemental for three and a red. So four CMC. When Scampering Scorcher enters the battlefield, create two 1-1 red elemental creature tokens. Elementals you control gain haste until end of turn. So um, this is pretty good, actually. I mean, it comes down, and it's it's three power haste, but over three bodies. So initially, my thought was Beetleback Chief, but I, I think there are lists that are going to want to run this over Beetleback Chief just because of the haste. And there's also lists that are probably going to run this over Beetleback Chief because of the type line. Um, yeah. And we have some complaints about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd say that if you're in a red token deck that doesn't actually care whether your tokens are goblins. Mm-hmm. So, for example, Zeta, she doesn't care if the tokens are goblins. And Perforos doesn't really care if the tokens no. are goblins. Yeah, Those decks are probably happy to have the upgrade over Beetleback Chief. It's unfortunate that... We didn't get a like a go wide elemental commander. That's mm-hmm. kind of what I was expecting out of um, the the teamer wedge. Yeah, because I mean we talked about this before, but both of the uncommons pointed towards that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it it was almost it seemed like a sure thing, and then Omnath went and pooped the bed. I don't understand. <laughs> Someone explain. But there's still ways to use this in Elemental Tribal. You can, of course, use it with Omnath Locus of Rage because then it has three lightning bolts stapled to those three one ones. Oh, next we've got another Elemental Tribal card. This is Thunderkin Awakener. One in a red for a one-two with haste. It's an Elemental Shaman. And whenever Thunderkin Awakener attacks, choose target elemental creature card in your graveyard with toughness less than Thunderkin Awakener's toughness. Return that card to the battlefield, tapped and attacking, and then sacrifice it at the beginning of the next end step. So I was looking at this and I did a little bit of research. If you're running like Horde of Notions and you're just 
looking at the creatures that you can get back that have toughness one or less. If you're operating under the assumption that you're not pumping Thunderkin Awakener yeah, at all, never gonna get bigger. Then there's about like ten really solid elementals you can get expect to get back because there's stuff like Fertilid and Lightning Skelemental and some other there's some other <laughs> but, solid. Yeah, it's like Flicker Wisp. To yeah, like blink some of your evoke guys or whatever. There's some solid elementals you can get, but it's it's only about ten. However, if you're running a Omnath Locus of the Royal, then you can put all your counters from your landfall triggers onto this guy. So that's like a built-in mechanism to grow him. And then at that point, you can kind of get back pretty much anything. Mm-hmm. Notably, it only takes one counter, like one more toughness for Bane of Progress every turn, mm-hmm. which is pretty nice. Like if you've got a couple of fetch lands, then this guy is easily going to be big enough to get uh, Avenger of Zendikar, mm-hmm. some really sick stuff. Yeah. So I think that that is probably the best use for that for this guy. And it's a shame that there's not more go tall elementals yeah like why they i don't know why they spent so many slots on the go wide elementals when Mm. like stuff like this okay it makes sense why you would have a commander that bestows counters on one thing yeah i also do want to do a psa that uh this guy does not work with the star star elementals there's a lot of elementals that are star Mm. star so malignus multani the original one Mm -hmm. who's as big as everyone's hands the star is like a set value like determined by the text box so just because it's not a number on the card like doesn't mean it's like one of the zero zero like multani yavamaya's avatar which you can get back because he's a zero zero in the graveyard do you think that's why they uh changed the way they did that from like star star to zero zero and plus one plus one yeah. for each i mean i remember like years ago in mara's articles talk like seeing him talk about how like people could not decipher star star even if they've been playing for a while mm-hmm. it can just get like really confusing well it didn't help that they like flip-flopped on the rules because if you look at like (laughs) selfless exorcist the the reminder text specifically says a star on a card not in play is zero yeah no they at some point and then the rules changed and it's so like they didn't help themselves i would say but uh, but i'm okay with the new technology making cards like thunderkin awakener better yeah i agree the next card this is bag of holding it's an artifact one mana Whenever you discard a card, exile that card from your graveyard. Two, tap, draw a card, then discard a card. So that's pretty cool. That's pretty good looting for colorless. Mm -hmm. Uh, Four, tap, sacrifice bag of holding. Return all cards exiled with bag of holding to their owner's hands. I really love this card just for like the flavor. Like the bag of holding blows up and everything falls out. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's great. I love that so much. But this actually is pretty sick tech for certain commanders. Yeah, if you're running Neheb 3.0, Neheb, the Dreadhorde champion, he's discarding a bunch of cards every turn, so you're just saving them up in the bag and eventually <laughs> like drawing 12 cards or something. Uh, he's also really good with Farina, Lich Queen, because she is drawing and discarding a bunch of t- cards every turn off of her attack trigger. Malfagor, when he enters the battlefield, you discard your hand. So you discard, you still get his ability to make all your opponents sacrifice a bunch of creatures mm-hmm. and you get to just save that hand away and return it when you want. Borborgmos Enraged can discard a land and bolt something. So that's awesome here. You get to save up all those lands, put them back in your hand when you like. And then Kozilek, the Great Distortion. Oh yeah, this one's so funny. Yeah, so you can uh, discard a card and counters target spell with the same converted mana cost. 
So put those all into your bag and then get them back and counter more stuff. Yeah. And also like that one's really notable because the looting is actually really good in mm-hmm. that list. Yeah. <laughs> the other colors uh with the exception, oh no, even Malfagar you get all the red. Yeah, red got so many things. Mm-hmm. That's so great. Yeah. But Kozilek definitely fun. And and like if you're a mono white list and you just need card advantage, like this is probably the best colorless looter that we've gotten, right? The one contender I'm thinking of is um Key to the City. Oh, Key to the City, yeah. That's yeah. true. That's definitely true. That one's pretty good. All right, moving on to a big one. It's Colossal Hammer. One <laughs> mana for an artifact equipment. Equipped creature gets plus ten plus ten and loses flying, and it has equip eight. <laughs> so this is clearly one of those cards that has a big reward and a hoop you got to jump through yeah. <laughs> and the hoop on this is how are you going to cheat that mana cost yeah. so give us give us some ways to cheat it yeah so there's some commanders there's three in particular that just do that mm-hmm. so the first one is nahiri the lithomancer you make a core put it on the core you got a 11 11 core now mm-hmm. core soldier balan wandering knight is a cat knight I yeah think it is a knight right and balan has the activated ability like one white attach all equipment you control to balan yeah but then it has double strike as long as it's wielding two or more equipment like two or more yeah so if you have it. the hammer and then like any equipment that grants non-flying evasion then it's a one-hit ko yeah it's really really nuts and then the other one is like we don't see many lists like this but because the list is basically the hammer yeah it's a nizan revered bladesmith there you go nizan revered bladesmith is a six mana five four when he enters you look for hammer of nizan the important part is whenever hammer of nizan or another equipment enters the battlefield under your control you may attach that equipment to target creature you control so i said that very fast basically if you get nizan you get the hammer you play the hammer colossus it's just right on there right on your boy Mm -hmm. getting in there so we don't see many nizan lists yeah he costs six but it's a way to use it for sure Mm -hmm. and then there's another one we do have another one so sram senior edificer one in a white for a two two dwarf advisor whenever you cast an aura equipment or vehicle spell draw a card if you've seen this deck it's essentially like like a cheerios deck you're running as many zero cost equipment as you possibly can and you just kind of burn through your deck until you hit more card draw or like combo pieces or whatever that's that's what the deck looked like but with sram you're happy to just run more cheap equipment so it can take the place of another one drop equipment mm-hmm. and if you happen to hit um pure steel paladin mm-hmm. pure steel paladin is white white for a two two knight whenever an equipment enters the battlefield under your control draw a card and then he has metalcraft equip costs zero if you have three or more artifacts when you're drawing through like half your deck every single game it's pretty likely yeah. that you'll hit your pure steel paladin and yep. then pure steel can circumvent the eight cost equip and just get your plus 10 plus 10 for free yeah and then saram hits real big mm-hmm. and it's so funny that saram is a lot of the times the the win, win condition con. <laughs> yeah so funny you're like i kill you commander damage and you're mm-hmm. like i guess that makes sense the next card is mystic forge so this is a four mana artifact it has you may look at the top card of your library at any time and then it also has you may cast the top card of your library if it's an artifact card or a colorless non-land card then it has the activated ability tap pay one life exile the top card of your library i like colorless future sight yeah this is cool i like that it helps you not whiff i like that you can just look at it but it's not revealed 
I would definitely run this in mono brown decks. Mm -hmm. If I was running a mono white or mono red list that was like really heavy artifacts, mm -hmm. I would run it as well. Yeah. Although I feel like the like red mono brown lists are getting rarer because red has gotten so much good so stuff. So many things, recently. yeah. So many things. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. Like maybe in a, maybe in like a Teshar list. Yeah. Because that's a pretty heavy artifact. Mm -hmm. Another deck that can use this is I think Joyra Weather Light yeah. Captain. Casting Future Sight is a lot more difficult for that deck. Five mana is a lot more than four, and triple blue is really difficult, but you could realistically cast Mystic Forge while you're still comboing, and then it just makes it pretty much impossible to whiff. Yeah, because you draw whatever zero mana artifact is on top, and if there's a land on top, you cast the one you drew yeah. in your hand. Yeah, it's so good. So I think that's a pretty good use for it. Just yeah. a, another way to keep that combo going. Yeah, that kept... itself draws a card. So fun fact, this works with the Void, and that makes me very sad that people don't like marker mechanics. I liked the Void because it worked with crazy stuff like this. Like, mm -hmm. I agree that like marker mechanics is not a terrible thing. Like, yeah. As long as you do it flavorfully, yeah. you can create new archetypes. Because if you think about it, like creature types are a marker mechanic. Yes, <laughs> exactly, exactly. I felt like we made the same remark for Corsa 2019, <laughs> but there are a lot of cards in this set that only go into one specific deck, but are yeah. really good there. Yeah. And it feels like they're using these core sets to enhance these like smaller archetypes rather than like push the power like they did with say like Ravnica Allegiance yeah. and Guilds of Ravnica. Yes. Are you ready to move on to the next card? Yeah, speaking of fits into a list. <laughs> so this is Salvager of Ruin. Do you want to read this guy off? Yeah, it is a three mana artifact creature construct. It is a 2-1 and it has Sacrifice Salvager of Ruin. Choose target permanent card in your graveyard that was put there from the battlefield this turn. Return it to your hand. Where do you think you could use this card? So I think Teshar just really really needed the help just really needed another way to loop mm -hmm. just really <laughs> needed another card i know it's been a long <laughs> long time since ranger captain of eos yeah so mm -hmm. teshar mm -hmm. was was waiting for the love was waiting waiting for it but yeah no i mean obviously this is very good in teshar mm -hmm. uh, like very good in teshar yeah you just have any zero mana artifact creature and then you like sacrifice salvager ruin it's in your graveyard you play the zero mana artifact creature get back salvager sacrifice that zero mana artifact creature <laughs> then sacrifice a salvager to return the creature and you're back where you started except you netted whatever your sacrifice outlet generated yeah, for possibly a mana yeah Ooh. there's other recursive loops that could work with this guy i was thinking about like my kirkesh list that runs basically every copy of uh Mer retriever mm. uh, so this kind of like helps you continue going. those yeah. things too so not even specifically just in teshar but just if you were running those types of cards in the first place. Yeah, I've got a, a list that is, it's not legal exactly. <laughs> Love that. But when we were running Planeswalkers as commanders, I built an Ugin the Ineffable deck. Mm -hmm. That's essentially an eggs list. Yeah, and it I'm, was really good. <laughs> yeah, and I'm definitely putting Salvager of Ruin in that deck because with all those Mirror Retriever, Workshop Assistant type mm -hmm. cards, Junk Diver, you can sacrifice salvager of ruin to get back your junk diver play your junk diver sacrifice junk diver to get back salvager of ruin and then play salvager of ruin again you're back where you started but if you have like a sack outlet that generates mana like your court clan Ironworks mm -hmm. or your ashnod's altar then you're just netting mana every time yeah it just keeps on going 
let's look at like a high level view of the set. Yeah. So one thing I want to start off with is like what we think the most played cards in this set are going to be. I've pulled out some cards that I think are going to be most likely to see a lot of play on EDH Trek. Will probably be like the the most impactful out of the set. Number 10 on the list of cards that we'll probably see a ton of play. Cryptic Caves. So this is the land. It taps for a colorless and it has one tap sack, draw a card, but only if you control five or more lands. So this fits really easily yeah. into monocolored lists, into mono brown lists, mm-hmm. even some two color lists that just really want the card advantage. It's mm-hmm. just a, it's like a canopy land you can run in any deck as long as you're willing to lose out on colored mana. Yeah. And it seems really good. Yeah. This is super solid. All right. What's number nine on our list? Manifold Key. So this is the Voltaic Key, but with some uh, extra juice. But also, you can't untap it with a rings out. If you're running any sort of deck with just a ton of mana rocks that tap for two or more mana, it's mm-hmm. definitely worth it to run this card. There are a lot of decks like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's great. I, I love Voltaic Key, and I'm going to enjoy running this. Number eight on the list is Shared Summons. This is the three green green instant that searches your library for two creatures with different names and puts them into your hand. This is such a strong combo enabler, and I think people are going to run it because it's value and like everyone knows that tutors are good. Even though it's not the most efficient tutor, I think that people are going to gravitate towards it and it's going to see a lot of play. Yeah. All right, number seven on our list. So number seven is Elvish Reclaimer. So this is the Elf Warrior that is bigger if you get three or more lands in your graveyard, but also you can pay two tap sack a land, two tutor for a land. This guy's awesome. I mean, we talked about him a lot last time, but I can't get over how happy this guy makes me. Every time I see his face. Number six. Yeah. It is Chandra's Regulator. So this is... A little bit more narrow in that it's probably only going to see play in the mono red decks, but it's going to see play in all of those decks <laughs> because it's such an efficient way to trade bad cards so for good cards. Good, it's yeah. One red for a legendary artifact, one tap, discard a mountain or a red card, draw a card. And it's got some other text, it doesn't matter. <laughs> but it's a great way to stock your graveyard, to keep yourself from flooding out. I think it's going to be really good. So now we're at number five, Cavalier of Flame, the Red Cavalier. This guy is just going to be in every mono red list and some other not quite mono red lists. Also, um, it's just you get so much out of it, like the pumping of your team, the like filtering your hand, the like dice trigger. Like I can only imagine like how good this is going to be in Felden. Mm-hmm. Like Felden of the third path decks that quote reanimate something from the graveyard and then sack the artifact version they quote reanimated. Mm-hmm. Holy cow. <laughs> <laughs> like it's going to be so, it's so much value. And this is just like such a nice gift for mono red. It kind of just does everything that red decks want. I can mm-hmm. see it seeing a lot of play. Mm-hmm. And next we've got a very powerful card for mono black. It is Dread Presence coming in at number four. Yeah. Three and a black for a three, three. Whenever a swamp enters a battlefield under your control, choose one, draw a card and lose one life or 
Dread Presence deals two damage to any target and you gain two life. This is a really powerful tool for mono black. Free cards if you want it or free board control if you want it. It's really useful. Yeah. And mono black is a pretty popular archetype, so I can see it yes. seeing play. You're going to see this. It basically, like any list that's running Cryptgast is just going to be running this. Yeah. <laughs> like that's just how it's going to be now. They're best friends. Mm -hmm. So number three is Cavalier of Night. God, this does so many things mm -hmm. and it does them so well. It turns your random fodder into kill spells. Mm -hmm. It reanimates something. You could possibly combo with it. It's just a big life linker. It's great. Yeah, I, I think this is a great card to feed into all of Black's many sack outlet reanimation engines. So, Yes. Yes. Uh, I could see it seeing a lot of play. Yeah, totally. All right, number two on our list. Flood of Tears. Four blue blue for a sorcery. Return all non-land permanents to their owner's hands. If you return four or more non-token permanents you control this way, you may put a permanent card from your hand onto the battlefield. This is a great asymmetrical board clearing effect. I mean, it's no Cyclonic Rift, but it's still very powerful. It's going to net you a bunch of mana. By putting cards back into their hand, you're forcing them to like repay the mana cost. And then it also just reduces the amount of mana you have to pay because you're putting something big in for free. I think it's a, a powerful card that could easily see a lot of play out of the set. If you do end up playing with this, you'll be like so happy with mm -hmm. like how it actually ends up. And that leads us to number one. Can you guess at home what this is? It's probably not a surprise. Yeah, especially <laughs> since we're going in reverse color order. <laughs> so this is Cavalier of Dawn. Two white, white, white for a 4-6 Vigilance. When it enters the battlefield, destroy up to one target non-land permanent. Its controller creates a 3-3 colorless golem artifact creature token. And when it dies, return target artifact or enchantment card from your graveyard to your hand. I think this might be the best card in the set. Yeah. I uh, Yes, I'm going to also agree that that is true. There might be some other card that has some weird niche like potential for some other format that I'm not thinking about. Mm -hmm. But I think like in regards to Commander... And, and part of it is because it's a lot more unique than the other cards we've mentioned. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like there's other mass bounce spells like Flood of Tears. There's other like Shriek Maw effects like Cavalier of Night. But there is no white creature that just enters the battlefield and destroys anything. And especially like not at five mana. Yeah, and the fact that this is like a very reasonable body for five mana, it's in two very reasonable types mm -hmm. for five mana. The dies trigger, even if all it does is blow something up and die, you're like way ahead. Yeah. You're way ahead. And it's so wonderful. And also white is just so short on really playable cards that I can see this fitting into any white deck really <laughs> i totally agree so i guess the disclaimer the numbering was not so much yeah uh, we'll just say like if most of these cards <laughs> end up in the top 10 on edh rec by the time we do the next set review then we'll we'll call that a win yeah and speaking of this is now going to be the time when we check our previous predictions oh yeah yeah yeah. so uh when gustav was here we guessed the non-legendary cards in modern horizons that would see the most play as determined by edh rec stats and so i'm just going to read these off really quickly and then we'll look at the edh rec set page number one we said generous gift number two tribute mage number three prismatic vista 
Number four, the Canopy Lands. We kind of lumped them all together. Uh, number five, Archmage's Charm. And number six, Force of Negation. Number seven, Lanawar Tribe. Number eight, Dead of Winter. Number nine, the Talisman Cycle. And number 10, Collector Oof. So now let's open up EDH Rec, look at the, the top cards from the set. And this is a month after set release or so. Number one is Prismatic Vista. Number two is Talisman of Creativity. Number three is Generous Gift. Number four is Talisman of Hierarchy. Number five is Tribute Mage. Number six is Talisman of Conviction. Number seven is Nurturing Peatland. Number eight is Force of Negation. Number nine is Hall of Heliod's Generosity. Number 10 is Waterlogged Grove. So we've got we got some hits there. It mm -hmm. definitely helped that there were two cycles that were really easy to predict would be popular. Yeah. I guess the one surprise there is Hall of Heliod's Generosity. I liked it so much that I didn't put it on the top 10 list because I thought that I was an aberration. <laughs> but uh, no, it's it did really well. And I'm yeah. happy to see that it's seeing a lot of play. Also worth noting, number 11 on EDH Rec is Yogmoth Thran Physician. Yeah in the main deck this is not as a commander which makes a lot of sense to me whenever i see a new legendary creature i tend to focus so much on like how to build around it as a commander but when you think about it yogmoth is probably one of the best sack outlets yeah and should just easily, period yeah and should just slot into all those same black decks that are running like attrition and mind slash yes. and all those other cards so it, it makes sense to see him really high on the list, and um, I probably should have put him on there. Well, actually, you know what? I'll, I'll stand by my decision. I think maybe a lot of the time I need to turn that part of my brain off like I don't think about commanders in the main deck. Maybe uh, in the future we'll make sure to do that in our reviews. Mm -hmm. But in terms of cards that we guessed would be in the top 10 actually being in the top 10, we uh, did pretty well. I'm seeing 6 of 10, so that's, that's a decent hit rate. Next time we do a set review, we'll give our predictions for most played cards on EDHREC, and then we'll check how our predictions for M20 stacked up. Yes, that is something to look forward to. <laughs> We're going to talk about a commander that we both are kind of interested in building around from this set. So do you want to go first, Nick? Yeah, I am interested in building around the buy a box promo. Yeah. I really like Sack Outlet reanimator decks. Rian just seems like a fun way to get the, the grind going and just outvalue my opponents. And uh, she's on color for some awesome sack outlets and some really good multicolor creatures. So I'm, I'm pretty stoked for that. Yeah, I'm going the exact opposite route. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll probably make an Atemsis mm -hmm. deck just because I just took apart a mono blue deck. Uh, I had Kega the Tidestar, and that deck was really mean because mm -hmm. it won really slowly. But I think this will be really mean but it'll win really fast. Uh. <laughs> so I don't know if this deck and me will have longevity together. Like we might not be together for too long, but the tryst we have will be meaningful. Let's do a top five. Okay. In no particular order, the cards that I'm most excited to play with, number one is probably Risen Reef. So this is the one blue-green for a 1-1 one -one elemental. Whenever it or another elemental enters the battlefield under your control, you get to look at the top card. If it's a land, put it on the battlefield, tapped. If you don't put it onto the battlefield, you get to put it into your hand. I really want to get one of those to put it in my everything tribal deck because I finally built it. It's a whole yes. bunch of changelings and a whole bunch of tribal effects, and I'm really excited to run this guy in it. 
number two on my list is Salvager of Ruin. I'm definitely putting that in my Ugin Eggs deck. I should call it Dragon Eggs. That's a good deck name. <laughs> Mystic Forge. I also want to put that in my Ugin deck because it's just yeah. a great way to get value. It seems so fun. Other cards, Cryptic Caves. I just need a whole bunch of copies <laughs> of that. And I've got a Lord Wind Grace deck in which it's going to be particularly good. And then Elvish Reclaimer. It's awesome in Lord Windgrace. And it's also just really good in my uh, enchantment deck because that deck is really built around Hall of Heliod's generosity. I'm running a critical mass of land tutors so I can make yeah. sure I see the hall every game. And then I'm just yeah. like, you thought you were done with Aura of Silence? <laughs> <laughs> so those are my top five. What about you? What are your top five cards from the set? So I've been trying to narrow it down to things that weren't just in our cards we think are going to get played a lot and so i think that the one that i could not avoid doing that though was cavalier flame Mm. definitely just like i'm going to play the the crap out of this card Mm -hmm. this card seems like so much fun it's so powerful that's going to be great but the next card, Scholar of the Ages, just mm-hmm. because uh, it's specifically only going to go into one deck, the uh, Noyandar list that I put together. I really like Recursion. I have friends that make fun of me for how much I value Recursion. Mm-hmm. And the fact that this just kind of like combos because you get two things. Mm-hmm. Turns out when you get two things, you can combo. I really like that. The other one, this is another red card, is Glinthorn Buccaneer. I just really like this guy. He's gonna deal a lot of damage it's gonna add up really fast i think in conjunction with the red cavalier as we said before but also just those looting effects are so good that i think this guy's just gonna work out really well another one is hanged executioner this is not a super powerful guy it's basically two spirits for three mana and you can exile him to exile something for four mana Mm -hmm. this is just a thing that i know someday i'm gonna get a list that i'll use it i have like inklings every now and then of like a card that i know i'm going to want to play one day Mm -hmm. and this just is like just enough value that he might be good enough for something one day (laughs) which is like probably the most cryptic i could possibly be with like cards i'm excited for because i'm not even going to put into a deck i'm just going to like pick one up and like no i I do that all the time i just i've collected so many things on a speculative basis just like if they print the right commander yeah (laughs) this will be perfect it will be perfect and then the last one is lotus field um Mm. i just i've played so much with lotus Vale. just over the years i picked them up a long time ago when they weren't whatever they cost now and lotus field will let me basically do the same gameplay without worrying about strip mine i've cut lotus Vale from many decks now because strip mine yeah that's very good yeah i'm I'm pretty excited for that card too yeah so i'll get back to the shenanigans i used to pull with that mm-hmm. so that's it those are my top five i think we got one more little topic that we want to bring up before we get going yes so we want to talk about planeswalkers as commanders this isn't quite an oathbreaker discussion but no you can apply it to oathbreaker yeah. what we're going to say We'll go in increasing order of rarity. Oh, sure. <laughs> uh, so let's begin with Chandra, novice pyromancer. Uh, so just a reminder, she's three and a red for a five loyalty Chandra. She has plus one elementals you control get plus two plus zero until end of turn. Minus one, add red red. And minus two, she deals two damage to any target. 
I like this as a commander. Um, I think this could be a, a fun deck. This is kind of like the go wide elemental commander that we wanted. And there are a lot of good elemental token generators in mono red. You've got your young pyromancer. You've got your Chandra Acolyte of Flame. Mm -hmm. We'll get to in a minute. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you've got your Tempt with Vengeance, your Tillinali Summoner, Molten Birth, Seasoned Pyromancer. Yeah. Firecat Blitz, Elemental Mastery. There's some pretty good ones out there. Even a Scampering Scorcher. Yeah. Throwback. So I think that that could be the commander that this set was missing. I think that could be really fun. Chandra Acolyte of Flame is the rare Chandra. Mm -hmm. So this is one red red for a four loyalty planeswalker at rare. Zero, put a loyalty counter on each red planeswalker you control. Zero again, create two one one red elemental creature tokens. They gain haste, sacrifice them at the beginning of the next end step. And then minus two, you may cast target instant or sorcery card with conversion mana cost three or less from your graveyard. If that card would be put into your graveyard this turn, exile them instead. This card does a couple things. Yeah. There's an option for this to be a... Red Super Friends. Yeah, Red Super yeah. Friends. That's one possibility, which could be a pretty interesting one. At the very least, there's a couple of really good Chandras out there. Yeah. Chandra Novice Pyromancer or Chandra Torch of Defiance as like mana generation. There's some Chandras that can wipe the board, including like Chandra Awakened Inferno, but also Chandra Flamecaller. Mm-hmm. Jaya is pretty good. Jaya is pretty good. So I think there's an opportunity there that seems pretty interesting. Yeah. I also I like the idea of a potential um, sort of token generator sack outlet build. You can uh, clamp those tokens. You can feed them to a Dark Dweller Oracle. That could be interesting. I'm not sure yet if there's a whole lot to do with the minus two. I think there's value you can get with that. Yeah, you, there's value for sure. Yeah, because you can like at bare minimum like chaos warp something. I guess that part is not so much build around as just like you're going to run, be running these good stuff red cards. And these loot effects and yeah. all these things, yeah. Or your shattering spree or your vandal yeah. blast, whatever. So no, I actually really like her too. We might as well finish up the Chandra. Yeah, let's do it. Chandra Awakened Inferno. Four red red for a six loyalty Planeswalker Chandra. Can't be countered. Plus two. Each opponent gets an emblem with at the beginning of your upkeep. This emblem deals one damage to you. Minus three. She deals three damage to each non-elemental creature. And minus X. She deals X damage to target creature or Planeswalker. And if it would die this turn, exile it instead. I think this is a little less interesting and less build around yes. than the previous two Chandras. Yes. think this is like a burn deck. Yeah. Regardless of its viability in the format, I think that this deck is going to make people unhappy. Unhappy, and it's not because it's too good. Mm -hmm. I think it's because people really hate when like they can't interact with something. Yeah, we actually have a friend. One of his favorite cards is Obsidian Fireheart, mm -hmm. and one day he was like, "Please, guys, let me play with Obsidian Fireheart as my commander," mm -hmm. and we did. And it was really, really annoying. <laughs> it wasn't like good. I think there wasn't really ever a point where he was winning. Yeah. But it was just like annoying to have to keep track of all these triggers. It was a little easier to deal with than dealing with an emblem. Yeah. But it's still like, I'm not going to strip mine my own land to stop it from burning. That deck was definitely not like over powered or super busted in mm -hmm. any way one of the things that especially casual players don't like about planeswalkers is that they can't interact with emblems mm -hmm. so at bare minimum with obsidian fireheart you could blow up your own lands <laughs> but with this like i can imagine someone like you plus two them and then they just go on tilt because yeah. 
They're like, what? I can't even do anything. He's going to deal dead. And it's like, all right, 19 turns later. So I don't know. I don't think it's going to be... Burn is not a viable strategy for your life. I agree with that. I think this card will annoy others and then lose. Yes. I think we're going to skip the intro deck, Planeswalkers, because yes. you don't need us to tell you they're not good. Yes. <laughs> a Johnny Strength of the Pride. So as a reminder, this is two white white for a five loyalty Ajani. Plus one, you gain life equal to the number of Planeswalkers you control plus the number of creatures you control. Minus two, you get an Ajani's Pride Mate. You know what that does. Yep. And zero, if you have at least 15 life more than your starting life total, exile a Johnny Strength of the Pride and each artifact and creature your opponents control. It's sort of the commander for a Soul Sisters build, a mono white Soul Sisters build. It really wants you to have like a lot of creatures and it really wants you to have a high life total. And then the reward is controlling your opponent's board, but it costs two more each time. It certainly like gets a lot of cards, but I don't fully see how this deck wins when it is essentially just defensive yes it's all about gaining life and controlling your opponent's boards but the win condition is not clear yeah no i think that people if this is a deck that people would end up building they try to build it soul sisters mm -hmm. that's a like a deck that people try to build a lot of the time mm -hmm. i don't think it would be crazy good all right, let's go on to Mu Yanling, Sky Dancer. One blue blue for a two loyalty Planeswalker, Yanling. Plus two until your next turn, up to one target creature gets minus two, minus O, and loses flying. Minus three, create a four, four blue elemental bird creature token with flying. And minus eight, you get an emblem with islands you control, have tap, draw a card. I think that the first two abilities are very bad, and I would imagine that this deck is all about just trying to get the emblem because once you get it, you kind of can't lose. Yeah, I would say that this deck is actually probably pretty good mm -hmm. because you just wait till you can protect her or like proliferate a bunch of times in a turn and, and then you just eventually pop her. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the fact that you're getting her down on turn three and her first ability is decent at protecting her on turn three. Yeah. People probably won't have a three power creature that early in the game. No. So you can like reliably for a couple turns tick her up. And then of course, once you untap on turn four, you can be a little bit more proactive in preventing people from hitting her. Mm -hmm. I think it's not impossible to get this emblem if you're yeah. building around this is the thing my deck is going to do yeah, because I know when I pull it off I win. Yeah, Flex Channeler is very good. Mm -hmm. Deep Glow Skate. <laughs> Deep Glow Skate. There you go. I think we can move on to the next yeah. commander. Soren Imperious Bloodlord is two and a black for a four loyalty planeswalker. Soren. Plus one target creature you control gains death touch and lifelink until I'm turn. If it's a vampire, put a plus one plus one counter on it. Plus one, you may sacrifice a vampire. When you do, Soren Imperious Bloodlord deals three damage to any target and you gain three life. And minus three, you may put a vampire creature card from your hand onto the battlefield. I like him a lot more as a commander than I do in the main deck oh, yeah. of like an Edgar deck. No, I actually agree with that. I think that like as a commander, this is very fun. You're playing mono black vampires. Vampires are things people like. There's a lot of vampires you might want to cheat into play. I, I really like this guy. In Edgar, you're going to be disappointed if you really want to play Butcher of Malakir or your yeah. Baron Sengir or your Defiant Bloodlord or something, because yeah. those cards are just not at all good. But to have a commander where it's like, I'm going to play him on turn three and get this seven drop vampire, yeah. that feels awesome. There may also be some play with shooting things for three. 
There are some vampires that you wouldn't mind sacrificing. Just being able to get so much mana off of the, the cost savings of dropping something immediately into play seems pretty strong. Yeah. So the next one is Vivian Arcbow Ranger. We're going to kind of gloss over this <laughs> one. So four mana to get some counters is not super good. Four mana to like have a creature to punch something is not super good. Basically a commander where like you need a creature to operate is probably not the best. And mm-hmm. then like the minus five, the fact that like... It doesn't work. It doesn't work. That kind of puts a damper on things. Yeah. But still, out of the non-intro pack Planeswalkers, we've got some good hits. Like, mm-hmm. two of the, the lower rarity Chandras yeah. are, like, viable and interesting. This Soren could be an, a fun deck. Mu Yanling is probably pretty powerful. And then Ajani is strong, even though it has the problem of, like, how does this win the game? Yeah, you just kind of are, like, muddling about. But no, yeah, most of these would be pretty good. And I'm much, much more interested in these Planeswalkers with non-traditional ults mm-hmm. than I am... With getting an emblem? Yeah, with just getting an emblem or... No, uh, I, I, I totally agree. I think that the best innovation to come out of War of the Spark is having so many Planeswalkers without ultimates because I, I don't think ultimates are fun. They're not fun. And they also just make the game about, like, we got to stop that. You feel like you're really under the gun when Mm -hmm. your opponent has a Planeswalker with an ultimate. Like, something has to be done about this. But if you're just playing, like, this is my Whatley, (laughs) I get to gain life. It's like, okay, whatever. Yeah, I don't don't care about that. And, And, like... Planeswalkers that don't have ults are so much easier to keep around because people actually don't care. Yeah, yeah. They can like accurately threat assess what's going on where like if you're trying to play A Duretti. Yeah, a Duretti or something, then no matter what, it's going to die. Mm-hmm. Or there's just a few commanders where like, no matter what, it will be attacked because people fear whatever is coming next. Yeah. So this set, actually very like high hit rate compared to what I was expecting. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought it was going to be really low considering it was following up War of the Spark and uh, Modern Horizons. Modern Horizons. Yeah. But there were still some pretty fun things. All right, before we go today, I want to say thank you to our Patreon patrons. They are Bradley, Gustav, Ryan, Mark, Amond, Addison, Arthur, Mason, Will, Elvis, Rick, Laser, Raphael, Kyle, Charlotte, Andrew, Casey, Brock, and Tom. Thank you all for supporting the show. And if you are not currently a Patreon patron but would like to become one, you can head on over to patreon.com slash commander theory. Thank you all for listening. Thanks for listening. If you want to get in touch with me, I am at Commander Theory on Twitter and Tumblr. If you want to reach Zach, he is at Fat Bartleby on Twitter and Tumblr. The opening song is Lincoln Continental by Entropy, and you can check him out on SoundCloud. We'll talk to you guys next time. 